0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and we've got a very, very special episode today. My good friend Brandon, Two is going to be joining the Carolina Talk Podcast in just a second to talk and preview Carolina's 2018-2019 men's basketball season. I know Carolina is already three games into the year after beating Wofford on opening night, then traveling to Elon, and then... Defeating Stanford last night, 90-72 to in their first home game at the Smith Center. So we're a little bit behind. I know we've had some problems kind of scheduling things and our conflicts have kind of arose and we haven't really been able to get on the phone and, and put a certain amount of time down to be able to talk, but really excited to be able to do that today. And like I said, I know the season's already three games in, but we're going to give our thoughts on how the season's gone so far and what we kind of expect from this team, from, from specific players and stuff like that. So it should be a really fun episode. Brandon is one of the most knowledgeable guys about college sports and professional sports. He's like an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to sports. So really excited to have him on. And not only is he very, very knowledgeable about pretty much any sport you can think of, he's also a diehard North Carolina fan. So really excited to have Brandon on. He'll be on in just a second. But before that, I want to thank everybody for their continued support of the Carolina Talk Podcast. We appreciate everybody coming on here and listening, interacting with us on Twitter um, you can follow us at Carolina Pod, and you can also follow my personal account at Jacob Turner, T-H-I. Again, that's at Jacob Turner, T-H-I. Just recently started interning for Tar Heel Illustrated, and I'm really excited for that. So going to be a lot of coverage coming from both of those Twitter profiles, so be sure to give us a follow on both of those. But guys, that's enough chatter. Let's get to myself and Brandon, too, talking about Carolina basketball season Hope you guys enjoy. Should be a fun one, and uh, here you go. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with a very special interview with my good friend, Brandon, too. Like I mentioned before, uh, Brandon's a guy that I went to App State with, was in the 90.5 WASU radio sports team with him for a couple years, really enjoyed that. And, you know, Brandon's a guy that I already intro you and talked you up a little bit, Brandon, but uh, like I told them, I said you're, you know – to be honest with you, I think I've told you this before, you're one of the most knowledgeable guys when it comes to sports. You're like a walking encyclopedia over here. I remember those live radio shows we do, um, sports rap during the week, so you would just hit us with some crazy stats off the top of your head. So, Brandon, how you doing, man? It's been a been a while since we've talked, but I'm excited to have you on here. Yeah, man,
1: I, I appreciate that intro. Uh, I, I like to think that I have a, a vast sports knowledge about a lot of different things, but uh, my bread and butter, I guess, would be college basketball, so I feel like I'm right in my wheelhouse coming on this podcast, and as soon as I heard that you, as soon as you mentioned to me that you were doing a podcast about Carolina and that you were hosting one, I was like, this is perfect for Jake Turner. Mm-hmm. This is this is what he was born to do, <laughs> and not only that, but you've done a fantastic job with it, dude. I've been there since since day one listening, and and. I guess retweeting and favoriting all your stuff, and and you've just done a fantastic job for creating a podcast, you know, for Carolina fans. And yeah, I, I've I've enjoyed it
0: every step of the way. Hey, I appreciate that, Brandon. You know, we we had a lot of good times up at App, and I know you're you're up there uh, back. Well, I guess are you in are you in Raleigh right now? Is that where you're located? Uh, I, I'm currently in Cary. Right okay, now, and so I know you're uh, interning with the David Glenn Show. You know, that's a that's a huge thing for you, man. I know. Um, yeah. David Glenn show, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest kind of sports radio talk shows in the, in the state. And then I know also you were this summer, uh, over in Wilson doing a little baseball color commentary and, in play by play too. So just tell me a little bit about what you've been uh, doing in the, in the sports world, uh, over the past year. Or so yeah, man, uh, just, uh,
1: just trying to, trying to get a, a foot in. I was at IMG college and doing some things there and then, you know, just, came home and, and for a little bit then went back out to wilson and uh covered the wilson tops and uh and the coastal plain league that was a fantastic experience and I, I highly recommend if someone loves baseball just get into one of those those summer college ball leagues and just the, the woodback leagues and, and see it how it how it is how the grind is because while well it wasn't a whole lot in terms of in terms of money the, the experience was fantastic and just the ability to, to go on every single, I covered every single inning of that team and it was just fantastic. And then came back home and I've been interning with David Green, Just absolutely best, one of the best experiences of my life. That, yeah, a fantastic show and, and love love that show and have been listening to that show since I was a little kid, so that's almost a dream of mine, you know, being an intern at the David Green Show. For DG and uh, and Darren and yeah, it's just been a, a fantastic thing and then really just um just doing stuff on the side with uh with the thing that me Greg and Mitchell started from App as well Bonafide Media just doing a little sports stuff on that as well. If someone wants to go check that out, just check it out our Facebook page and and whatnot. It's a uh, it's really fun stuff that we're doing over there. So yeah, that's about what I've been doing so far with the, with the sports stuff. But I I do have to say my my love. First and foremost, I, I, I mean, I love a lot of different sports. I love App State, everything about App State, App State athletics. But my first love is Carolina basketball, and I, I'm excited to talk about this, man.
0: Yeah, man, I forgot to mention your Bonafide Sports Media. If you guys, you know, anybody listening here, definitely go check that out. Those guys uh, went to school with Greg and Mitchell as well. Those guys have been, what, podcasting for about like, two years now, man. They just have yeah. a really, really cool... Um, set up over there they do a lot of awesome podcasts you know anything from uh, reviewing movies to college basketball NFL NBA talk I mean they just do it all so be sure to go check them out uh, at Bonafide Media they have some really cool things over there but yeah man that's the it's funny because when I thought about doing a uh, Carolina basketball preview podcast well I guess you I guess you could still call it a preview. I'm only only three seasons in, and we're gonna kind of preview the season. I, I, yeah. I knew I knew I had to get you on, man, because I mean we used to chop it up about Carolina basketball all the time up at uh, up at App State. Even you know when we won the national championship in 2017, even even got in a little trouble with some uh, some App yeah. State some big time high roller App State guys up there that weren't too happy with us flaunting our Carolina gear around campus. But hey, man, when you win a national championship, I mean what, what you gonna what you gonna do? You gotta rep the team. So. We've had some uh, we've had some good times up there, man, and Brandon, like I always do, man, when I do these podcasts, I just try to jump right into it, so why don't we just do that, why don't we start talking a little bit of Carolina basketball right now, and let's start by talking about Carolina's first three games, obviously North Carolina sitting at 3-0 and on the year right now, after a win down in, in Spartanburg, South Carolina over Wofford, then they traveled to Elon, North Carolina to... Opened up the Char Center, they, they beat the Elon Phoenix Phoenix pretty handily, scoring I believe it was 114, 116 points on a Elon team that. I mean, don't get me get me wrong, were too impressive, but still, 116 points is like an NBA score when you think about it. You don't see a lot of college teams uh, kind of reaching that milestone, especially early in the year like that when they're still trying to find things out. So, uh, you know, good win for the Tar Heels, and they came back home last night and played Stanford, uh, beat them 90 to 72. I know Roy Williams wasn't too happy with his uh, defensive effort from his team in the second half, Brandon, but how have you kind of, how do you think this team has played so far three games in? I mean, they're obviously 3-0, and so it's been a good start, but have they uh, kind of overachieved early for you, or do you th- still think there's a, a lot of good things that this team can do uh, going forward?
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, when you look at this totality of, of these three games and the way they've started this season, I mean, opening up on the road, two games against a very good Wofford team to start, I uh, mean, that team beat them last year in Chapel Hill. That team is going to compete for the SoCon. They're going to play against former uh, Carolina player Wes Miller, his Green- UNCG team, Greensboro Spartans. They won the SoCon last year. Wofford's going to compete with them for that title, and then you go and you open up the Char Center for Coach Matheny and the Elon Phoenix. I mean, that is a beautiful, beautiful arena, and just the, the ability to go on the road and do that for that program, that, that shows the, the class act that Boy Williams is. But those were two pretty good teams on the road for them to open up, mm-hmm. and, and I think for them opening up against Wofford and the way they showed against Wofford, I Coach Williams said it himself, even though Kenny Williams didn't score that game, he held Fletcher McGee, to Just a, a great defense performance by him, and, and McGee, he didn't have one of the best shooting nights for him. I mean, he scored 21 points, but it took a lot of shots. He had to take 16 three-pointers and 21, 23 shots in order to score those 21 points. So Kenny Williams locked him down on the defensive end. You saw Kobe White started for this team at at point as a freshman. He's going to be sensational at some point during the season. Nazir Little got some run in that first game. And, and then you build on that from the second game. You don't even get to the fact that Cam Johnson and Luke May both balled out and both showed why they might be ACC, what, first-team All-ACC guys, maybe second-team All-ACC all guys the way they're playing right now and just the way they're scoring the basketball. You go to the, the, the game against the Phoenix and just and a a really good game all the way around and a good game for Nazir Little on the offensive glass as well, his ability to rebound the ball. And then, and then you move forward the last night against Stanford. That is a Stanford team that is, I would say, inexperienced with the, with a lot of underclassmen that they were trying to bring into the fold and you know, losing a guy like Travis to transfer to Kentucky, a graduate transfer. Coach Hayes was gonna have some problems with, with inexperience on that team, but that Carolina team in the first half doubled them up fifty two to twenty six and it was one of the most impressive performances I've seen from an early North Carolina team in a long time. And and this team to me, has all the makings to, to compete for a national championship and a Final Four. And before we get too far ahead of ourselves, an ACC title in the regular season and an ACC tournament title.
0: Yeah, Brandon, I completely agree I, with, with everything you said. I think this team is a team that right now is, is looking really dangerous. With, with, I think for me, the one thing impresses me the most is the amount of offensive weapons that this team has. I mean, they've got guys all over the floor and on the bench. Uh, They can score. I mean, Nazir Little can come in and do big things. He had 21 points uh, against Elon. Really good showing for him coming off the bench. He would start pretty much, I would say, literally anywhere else in the country. He's a starting player. Um, So it's good to... Maybe, maybe, dude. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah, just based on the talent they have over there. But I think Nazir Little's a guy that kind of reminds me of a a Marvin Williams type player, maybe a Danny Green coming off the bench, a six-man who can come in and put big points up for you. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I like am really comparison. I like that comparison a lot. Yeah, so I'm really excited to see how he continues to develop because, like I said, he's only a true freshman. He's only played three collegiate games. Um, and I think this team, the good thing for them, if you look at the stats right now at the season, you mentioned Cam Johnson, Luke May. Cam Johnson leading all scores right now, 18 points a game. You got Luke May with 16 points a game. And then you look at what, what they're doing on the glass as well. Cameron Johnson, 6.7 rebounds per, while Luke May, 8.3. So, I mean, that's... Two guys that Carolina expected to have putting up big numbers this year, and they're doing that, so that's good for them. You see Garrison Brooks has made a leap, 13 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game. And to be honest with you, I think there's a lot more we've yet to see from Garrison Brooks as well, so I'm excited to see how he continues to develop. And then you've got Nazir Little playing the fourth most minutes on the team, or excuse me, the fifth most minutes on the team, 21.3 minutes per game, about 12 points per game, and 4.7 rebounds as well. And then... One more, Kobe White, ten point three points per game, two points. Uh, excuse me, two rebounds a game, three assists. And then Kenny Williams, obviously, can't forget about Kenny, who has struggled shooting a little bit this year so far, but he's playing twenty four minutes a game. Uh, he's only averaging four point three points, two point seven rebounds, and three point three assists. But definitely expect that points per game average to go up. So Brandon, when you look at these guys, I mean, obviously Carolina rolling with the starting five right now of Kobe White, Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, Luke May. And Garrison Brooks, do you see Nazir Little to focus on him real quick? Do you see him ever maybe stepping in this starting lineup? Because a lot of people were saying he might come in for Cam, but I mean, Cam's for me has been the best player Carolina's had this year by far. So I don't know where Nazir Little really fits in uh, to this starting lineup. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I loved the Marvin Williams comparison to that 0-5 team when he was the sixth man on that team he's so talented, he's so athletic, he is the most athletic person to walk in the doors of Carolina in terms of an NBA prospect since before Harrison Barnes, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like a guy who's been this
0: athletic, exactly, I think Marvin Williams is, he he even plays similarly to him, yeah, Marvin might be the comparison in terms of
1: an NBA body and his ability to, to translate that to the next level. And, and where is Nazir going to fit in on the floor in terms of the starting five? I, you might be right. I don't know if there's really a spot for him to fit in. But I think it's okay for him to, for him to be the sixth man and for him to come off the bench and still play the fifth most minutes because... Look, when Roy goes to a small ball lineup, he can he can easily slide Luke over to the fifth position. I mean, Luke May is is one of those key factors in terms of his ability to, to slide all over the court. And, and he can move Nazir to the four or put Cam at the four and then just put Nazir at the three. They can really play positionless basketball if they put those five guys on the court. And uh, Nazir is just one of those guys... Look, you you marvel at the athleticism, and you and you marvel at the, the NBA body that he has because he will be an NBA player at some point. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, it's not after this year, but but if he does make that leap and is one and done. He he has all the tools to be a one-and-done player, but me and you have talked about this, I think, through texting a little bit. His ability to get any shot he wants on the floor is what makes him dangerous as an offensive player. His ability to pull up and just knock down pull-up jumpers. Oh, you saw it last night. He he shot fakes, takes about three dribbles, and just pulls up and fades away, and it's hitting the back of the net and going straight in, like, his ability to make those type of shots is what separates him from other guys in the country in terms of his ability to score. And, and you know he's going to hit the offensive glass and he's going to dive on the floor and give you effort. The When he started standing up and clapping and, and, and screaming after that hustle play he made last night, I turned to my dad and I was like, this is the most fired up I've seen a Carolina team in a long time. Oh, yeah. And that includes the that includes some of those teams. I'm talking about early in the season. That includes some of those teams like the 05 team and the 09 team. This team is here and, and they're ready to play. And they got a really good mix of youthful guys but also experienced players. And Nazir, he's going to fit on this team in terms of his ability to score. I don't know if it's in the starting five, though. That's just one of those tricky things where I don't think Roy has to put him in because Nazir is also unselfish in the way that he goes about his business. He can be a guy who comes off the bench, and he's perfectly fine with that.
0: Yeah, that's one of the cool things I really like about Nazir is he's a guy that he says it a lot in his interviews, too. You know, Going back to high school, guys would ask him, you know, why'd you commit to Carolina? It's because you know he would come out and just say it's because of Coach Williams and his will to win. He's like, I'm very similar to Coach Williams and, and how he handles and how he his ambitions uh, for basketball. He's an unselfish player, and really excited to have Nazir here because I agree with you. I I think I tweeted it a couple weeks ago that Nazir is one of the most athletically gifted and NBA-ready guys I've ever seen uh, at North Carolina, especially over the past 10 or 15 years or so. But, Brandon, let's focus real quick. We've been talking about Nazir, but we can't forget about the other two freshmen, Kobe White, starting point guard. Kobe White starting point guard for North Carolina. He got Leaky Black as well, who's been he's played every position for North Carolina. And I think Roy Williams said last night that uh, Leaky's the only guy he's ever coached that he's put him in at five different positions in the first three games. So um, Kobe White for me, obviously everybody knows, or most people should know, leading score in North Carolina high school basketball history. He's a guy played his basketball down in Wilson, North Carolina, about forty-five minutes to hour, hour and a half from Chapel Hill. So um, Kobe White's a guy that can score when he wants to, but he's also—I tweeted this last night as well. He's one of the fastest guys up and down the court that I've seen since Ty Lawson. And I remember Jay Billis saying a similar thing pretty much right after I said that. So I don't know if he was listening in to my conversation or something, or maybe maybe just you know getting tips from me or something like that. But um, you know. Yeah, he was scrolling Twitter and he just saw. I think saw so. Turner's Twitter. I think so. So, but. Yeah, Kobe White's one of those guys that I've been really impressed with. I wrote a little three takeaways today for the Stanford game, and uh, you can check that out on Twitter at Carolina Talk Pod. But one thing that I mentioned in there was Kobe White's still um, trying to find his shooting stroke, if you will, right now averaging 10.3 points per game. Not bad, but I know last night, I think he was shot like two for 10, three for 10. I can't remember off the top of my head. Hasn't had the best um, shooting numbers this year, even though he's... Scored eight points, nine points, and I believe 14 points in his three games this season. So he's had a decent year. But um, Brandon, speak on Kobe White for me real quick, um, your expectations for him going into the year, because I think he is a very close to being NBA ready as well. He just doesn't have that Nazir Little type body. I think Kobe White still um, measures out at like six, five, four and a half, six, five. So he's a tall point guard. And then talk to me a little bit about Leaky Black, because that's a guy that, Carolina fans and Coach Williams have kind of been ranting and raving about, and he's really the lowest-rated freshman out of this class. Yeah.
1: Uh, look, I, I wrote a preview on this North Carolina team, and, and if people want to go check that out, just go find uh, your
0: your Twitter. I think you tweeted a link. Yeah, I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it out after this podcast again too, because yeah, it yeah, was a if, if, great article. Yeah, people
1: want to go check that out. I wrote one for Bonfire Media, and that was one of
0: the most fun things I've, I've
1: ever written, and, and just had had a blast writing that. My, my first player to watch was Luke May in that preview. My second player to watch was Kobe White, and it's because of his ability to score the basketball and just the way he can push the ball up the floor in, the, in this Carolina offense. The reason Roy started him at the beginning of the season is because he believes he will be his starting point guard At the end of the year, he believes he will be the guy who can elevate this team to the next level in terms of his point guard play. And they don't need him to score the basketball at a high clip because you already got guys like Cameron Johnson, Luke May, even Garrison Brooks is filling up the basket. So is Nazir Little. You just need him to facilitate the basketball to these guys and just just get the ball up in transition. And you said it. Jake, he, he's one of the fastest players that Boy's ever coached and he's the fastest since Ty Lawson. And his ability to get up and down the court is what makes him special, but you don't you don't become the leading scorer in North Carolina high school prep history unless you're have an ability to put the ball in the basket, and he will find his shot eventually on the collegiate level, and he'll knock down some jump shots that will then open up driving lanes for him, and his ability to finish at the rim is an elite level for his ability to finish at the rim. He truly is one of the most gifted scorers in this 2018 class in terms of recruits, and and just his, his ability to to will the ball into the basket. So that will come at some point during the season. We will see him drop a ton of points in a game or maybe a stretch of games. Kobe White's going to score the basketball. But what's going to make him special is his ability to facilitate for, for his guys and his ability to learn this Roy Williams offense and to run the point. And when you mention a guy like Leaky Black, he's going to be special. At Carolina, he's not going to be a one and done guy. He's not as highly touted and highly recruited as some of those guys over there in Duke and even his teammates in Nazir and uh, and Kobe. But he has a special skill set that you just can't teach. A, A six eight frame with long arms, the ability to dribble the basketball. He he has handles. And then it, he plays solid defense. I think mean, he went four for four last night with eight points. He he knocked down a couple of jumpers from the outside, and I watched. I watched most of the games with my dad. I looked at my dad as soon as he knocked down one of the jumpers, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh! I can't wait for this guy to be here for three or four years, and, and just his ability to progress as a player because he he's going to be special." And, and I think Roy. Playing him at five different positions in the first three games shows the versatility of Leakey, and he he's one of those guys who he understands it, too. He, he's like Nazir and like Kobe. He just wants to win, and whatever he can do... To help this team win, he's going to do it. And look, if, if he continues to play solid basketball like he did last night, he's going to find the floor. And he's going to be on the floor with a lot of talented guys. And it's just going to be about who you're going to defend at that point. you got to pick your poison. And, and look, if Leakey's able to take guys off the dribble and, and pull up in people's faces and, and get to the basket and score points as well as play solid defense, this team is going to be one of the best teams in the country, and I think they're already a top-five team in, in my book. Before the season even started, I, I'd elevate them to a top-three team in front, of, in front of maybe Gonzaga and Kansas if they're that good.
0: Yeah, Brandon, I think this team, too, is, is a top-five team, really based on what we've seen. earlier. I know it's still early. I know Carolina hasn't played um, the greatest of competition, but, I mean, at Wofford, like you said, that's a tough game. Elon, a team last year that finished about 14-18, and 18, so I think they're a team still trying to find a little bit of identity, but they've got a ton of guys returning, so I think that will probably turn out to be a little bit better of a win than it maybe looked like last week. And then I think Stanford, I mean, it's a Power 5 team. Like you said, I think Stanford will be competing at the top of the Pac-12, so I think it was a good win uh, against the Stanford team. I mean, it's a Power 5 team. Carolina made it look like a, an, an easy Victory really doesn't really seem like they ever got out of first gear. They were just kind of coasting through that one. So I've been really impressed with not only the freshmen, but with the, the amount of different players this team has that can score. I mean, they've got five guys right now averaging double figures. So it's just a team that can score the ball at will from a lot of different positions. And it's also a team that shot really well this year too. So I'm excited to see what this team can do. Like I said, I know it's early once ACC season comes around. We'll know a lot more about this team, but oh,
1: and, and Jake, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna find out about this team in, in the next three games. We're gonna find out how they play against Chaka Smart's team with Texas in Las Vegas, and then oh, they're yeah. either gonna get Michigan State in Las Vegas. They got Michigan on the schedule. They got that Gonzaga team that I mentioned, which is one of the most complete teams in the entire country. Mm-hmm. And, and then they got Kentucky right after that. Davidson, Harvard, Harvard's going to be maybe the best team in a deep Ivy League this year. So we're going to find out a lot about this team in non-conference. And and look, I don't want Carolina fans, if this team, if they do end up dropping maybe four, three games, maybe even five games, I don't want people to freak out in the non-conference schedule and start jumping ship on this team because come ACC time, they'll be ready to go and they'll be ready to bang with, with, the, the two other best teams in the conference with Virginia and Duke, and you got other teams in this deep ACC. This is one of the deepest conferences in just general I've seen in a long time. Jake, I'm going to throw it out there. I, I think the ACC might get ten teams in the NCAA tournament. I think
0: general. so, too. I think that, so, too. That's how good
1: they are. Like, Boston College ends up being something with, with – uh, with Bowman as their score. I mean, anything's possible in terms, in terms of them being able to make the tournament, and yeah, I, this is going to be a, a fun season to track, because we're going to get the, the brutal non-conference schedule, and then in ACC schedule, that there's a reason why their schedule is the top schedule in all of college basketball, it, it's a brutal one throughout, and we're going to find out about this team early, but especially come ACC time, like you said, we're going to find out about this team.
0: Yeah, Brennan, I I think the ACC's probably uh, I don't even think it's up for debate this year the best conference in college basketball. I think yeah. I think tenor. I mean, you've got the likes of Virginia, mm-hmm. North Carolina, Duke. You know, the top three teams up there, and then you've got Clemson, Florida State's doing some really good things right now. Um, Virginia Tech, I think they're a fifteen top fifteen team. Um, even you know yeah. you can look at other teams, Boston College, NC State has the potential to do some nice things. Um, there's a yeah. lot of deep teams. And good Syracuse as well in this conference that can make some things happen, Brandon. And like I mentioned, and like you mentioned as well, this team, this Carolina team's deep. They were playing the hardest non-conference schedule in America, and then they have to dive straight into it and play the hardest conference, play in the hardest conference in basketball. So there's no let-offs for this team throughout the season. I think that'll end up benefiting them. You know, come February, come March, when this team is you know trying to compete for an ACC title and and a national championship, because I definitely think. That's a realistic expectation for this team, Brandon. But I want to switch focus right now, and I want to talk about a guy that hasn't put up big stats this year, but a guy I've been impressed with, and I've seen a lot of Carolina fans kind of praising on Twitter as well, and that's Seventh Woods. I know Seventh Woods is a guy that's come uh, come under a lot of scrutiny at North Carolina. He's, he hasn't been healthy. He was kind of a middle school, eighth grade phenom with his YouTube reel of dunks, and then he yeah. had suffered some injuries in high school that kind of harked his progression, and then... His first two years at Carolina, he wasn't healthy either. Missed a big chunk of last season. And, you know, Seventh Woods is a guy that's finally healthy this year, and you can see it. His stat line isn't anything great, really. 14.7 minutes a game, 1.7 points per game, 1.7 rebounds per game, and four assists. I know he's Carolina's leading assist guy right now, so good stat for him. Not scared to share the ball, which I think Carolina kind of needs with so many weapons on this team. So, Brandon, I really like what Seventh Woods has been doing, even though it's been kind of under the radar What are your thoughts on Seventh Woods? Because I think he's a really important player, Um, even though he's a backup, a junior, to a true freshman. He's going to have to relieve Kobe White because there's going to be some games this year. um, Don't get me wrong, that Kobe White's going to struggle just being a true freshman. So it's always good to have a guy like Seventh Woods who can kind of come in and steady the ship. What are your thoughts on Seventh Woods and, and how important he might be for this team? Yeah,
1: look, Seventh Woods was one of the most athletic guys to walk on. UNC's campus uh, and just in terms of pure athleticism I mean you mentioned his 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 uh his early high school mixtape and it has I think over
0: like 15 million views oh yeah on YouTube. it's amazing
1: I mean there's a reason why the, the dude was an athletic freak in terms of his ability to dunk the basketball but I think he he's developed into a lot more than than just that he'll give us the highlight plays at Points during the season, we we saw some of the dunks early in the season. We saw down in the Bahamas, he obliterated the rim oh, yeah. against one of those teams. And we're gonna see we're gonna see dunks like that throughout the season. But what what's gonna be key for Seventh Woods and for this team is you gotta provide solid backup point guard play for Kobe White. You're you're completely right. Kobe White is gonna struggle against some teams. Like let, let's say he struggles against Virginia are Syracuse, having an experienced guy like Seven Woods to come in who's been around the system for a while, knows what to run. He'll get guys the ball in position for them to score. He The fact that he's averaging four assists per game right now with just about one turnover is what is the most impressive thing for me. It's just his assist-to-turnover ratio. Because if he can keep that at a relatively relatively high level, then you know, it's going to be fun to watch him progress as a point guard. And his ability to find the open man, he doesn't have to score the basketball in this offense. There's already five guys in double figures in terms of averaging points. He just needs to play solid point guard and just get the ball out of his hands and get it to his shooters in the right spot in the shooter pocket. I, I think that's one of the most underrated skills that most point guards are just even guys who facilitate and pass the basketball. People don't even realize that in the game of basketball. Like, you can pass it to the open man and you can throw it to him, but if if you're throwing it to him a little bit away from his body, wide away from his body, or you're not hitting him in stride on the way to the basket, that could be the difference between getting a shot off under pressure are, are getting an open look and so his ability to put the ball in, in the in the shooting pocket and his ability to find guys on the run is what is going to make him a better player and then again play solid defense on the other end boy Williams isn't going to put you in the game if you're if you're not going to play defense if you're not gonna strap on that side of the ball so he he's got to lock down defensively and do his thing but but he's also just got to take care of the basketball, and push when he needs to push with that backup unit. I really like him and, and Brandon Robinson coming off the bench. I think those guys can add a level of, of energy to the team when, when those two come off the bench. And, and, look, the sky's the limit for this team if Seventh Woods is able to elevate his game to another level in terms of being able to take care of the basketball.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think Seventh Woods is a guy that like I mentioned, it's got some, a little bit of unfair criticism. I mean, it's it's so tough. You don't hear a lot about his injuries, but it's so tough to come in yeah. to a university like North Carolina, high expectations when you're injured for two years. And, you know, the fact that he's healthy, I think we're starting to kind of reap the benefits of, a, of not only a healthy Seventh Woods, but a confident Seventh Woods because confidence has been a thing that he's talked about openly in the media, you know, having to get over some mental issues and stuff like that with the criticism he's been under. But, you know, Seventh Woods is a guy that, like you said, if he can continue to develop and take care of the basketball, not only is he going to be a good player, but he's going to play a ton of minutes for North Carolina. Because, like Roy Williams says, it's easy to be a point guard for Carolina. All I ask you to do is not turn the ball over and stay <laughs> and stay in front of your man. And you know, I mean, when he said that, I was like, "Well, shoot, I could maybe play at Carolina," but then I realized I was 5'8 and slow. So, well, not-
1: yeah. And, and then you realize that the task he, he puts under his point guard exactly. with, with them having to push the basketball up the court and having to run. But, I mean, you're right. It, it, it's, it's a simplistic approach to that position for, for his guys, is share the basketball and stay in front of your man. And, and, look, you can play Kobe in seventh at the same time if you want. Kobe can play off the ball. Oh, yeah. White's going to have no problem scoring the basketball at some point in, in his college career. And it's probably going to come this season, his ability to score the basketball. You can easily play him off ball and just have Seventh Woods and him on the court. I mean, you're obviously taking another guy off the court, but look, if they get in foul trouble and and you'd rather not go to Sterling Manley or or you'd rather not go to, I don't know, Andrew Playtech, you can definitely go to Seventh Woods and, and Kobe White at the same time. And look, the ability of these bench guys to play some key minutes, we saw it last night. Boy was not happy with his team at one point, and he did his patented, you know, line change, brought in all five guys, and was like, "Get on the bench! I don't, don't want to talk to you! I
0: don't want to look at y'all for the next like three or four minutes." I love when and he was, does that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do too. I, I think it's one. I think it's one of the best things
1: I, I remember from my childhood. It's just Wood Williams doing that, and, <laughs> and you know, I mean, it, it's it's always funny to me because he'll he'll cross his arms and, and he'll stand over there by by the scores table, and he won't even look at look at those five guys. He subbed out the, the five uh, the five bench players for the five starters last night. And, and look, there's going to be a point in the season where he subbed out the five starters for the bench guys, mm-hmm. and the bench guys are going to have to play well. Agent Andrew Playtex going to have to play well at some point during the season. So is Brandon Robinson. So is Sterling Manley. Uh, I, this team is deep, too. This team can play a lot of guys. And, and last year, I don't know if you could say that. I don't know if you could say they could play nine or ten guys. This year they can play nine or ten and, and be competitive in the ACC, one of the best conferences in basketball.
0: Oh, yeah, they're, they're a deep team. They're one of the deepest Carolina teams I've seen in a long time. And that, for me, that mixture of that youthful talent and also older guys that are really not only experienced, but they're also good leaders and really talented. And, Brandon, I got we got to touch on them real quick because we've kind of talked about the underclassmen. We talked about the point guard position a little bit, talked about a couple bench guys, but can't forget about the three seniors, Cam Johnson, Luke May, and Kenny Williams. Let's start with Luke May. Brandon, have you ever seen a story like Luke May in college basketball coming from a walk-on, a guy that nobody really recruited and turning into a preseason you know, All-American and a chance, if he does that, to have his jersey hanging in the rafters at Carolina? Have you ever seen a story like that in, in all really maybe of college basketball? I mean, I don't think it's ever happened to Carolina that I can remember, but I don't remember it really ever happening anywhere else in the country.
1: Yeah, I I can't really think of of a a player who's done what Kalute May has, and yeah, yeah, he got that preferred walk on spot, and I don't think he actually ever sat on the bench as a walk on. Very quickly, Roy Williams realized he, he had to be a scholarship player, but you know, circumstances he was recruited as a walk on, but I don't think we need to get it twisted that Luke May could have gone to a lot of mid-major programs in the country. I think Charlotte was on a short list of teams he could have gone to. Imagine if he had gone to UNC Charlotte. Oh my it's God! Just the damage he would have done as a mid-major player. Like we're talking about Mike Dom and Fletcher McGee and Chris Clemens. Chris Clemens is on a different level in terms of his ability to score as a mid-major player, but Luke May would have been one of the best Mid-major players in all of college basketball. If he had gone to one of those universities, but he decided to go to Carolina. He decided to be a walk-on. He decided to pay his way this first year. And hats off to him for you know making that decision and wanting to stick it out. He knew the type of talent that he had, but he also knew that he had develop. He had to develop his game. And he's a guy who's been in the gym working on his shot, working on his ability to score from all three levels. I think I saw a stat somewhere where where Luke on post ups last year scored forty five percent of the time on on pull ups and mid range he scored fifty five percent of the time and, and like mid range and out he scored fifty five percent of the time. So That's amazing three pointers and then driving the basket he scored like sixty percent of the time. So we're talking about a guy who has a really complete game and ability to score the basketball. And and last year at times when there was more athletic guys on him, he he struggled at times to to find a shot and to score the basketball. But those were very few games. And quite frankly, he's turned himself into an all-American and one of the best players in the country. I mean, we saw what he did against Mo Wagner last year. Oh yeah, against Michigan, like he he can play with some of the best guys in the country, and, and that's just that's just the top of the list in terms of what he did to some de- some dudes last year. I, I just his ability to score from all parts of the floor, and then his ability to. Just do all the little things to help a team win. I forgot who, who even was on the broadcast. I think it was the Elon game. They were just talking about his ability to, to do all the little things. And it, it just it amazes me sometimes how, how players will get lost and oh, I have to have to put my, my jump shot up and I have to make sure that it that I have a good follow through and, and I have to score X amount of points in order for me to be impactful in this game and, and no, Luke, he sets solid screens, he plays good defense. If he gets called for a foul, most of the time I don't think he fouls the dude. That's how solid defense he plays. And he's always straight up and always contesting shots. And look, his ability to shoot the ball from, from deep and from three is what is what makes him special in, in terms of it you know able to stretch the floor for this Carolina team, able to space the floor. But I think his utilization of of just all these different moves, like, like shot fakes and, and up fakes, in order to get himself free, is, is what really has elevated his game over his time at Chapel Hill. And, and then it's one of the strangest mysteries to me. We saw it last night. He, he can shoot lights out from the three-point line. Oh, no. Once he steps on the free-throw line, he he just, he bricks. Yeah. And it's one of the biggest mysteries to me in, in all of sport, how a guy can shoot so well from the three-point line and then not be able to shoot from the free-throw line. But I think eventually he's going to get himself up to about 65, maybe 70 percent in terms of being able to shoot free-throws. It's just one of those mental things. For him right now, hopefully he can he can get that on the right track because I think he's going to get fouled a lot with, with all his post moves that he has available. And then yeah, I, we can start with Luke May, but but those other two seniors are going to be vitally important for Carolina. But if there's if there's one guy who needs to put up stats for this team and be statistically. You know, impactful in games, it's Luke May, but he also does all the little things to impact the game as well, and I think that gets missed sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Luke May, you know, a guy. Ever since he hit that game winning shot against Kentucky, it was crazy because he played so good in the you know Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, and then the Final Four. I don't even think he I don't even think he scored in the in the Final Four national championship game for North Carolina, yeah. and then you know he I mean, comes he back. Played solid basketball. Oh yeah, and then he comes back next season and just completely tears it up last year. So, Luke May, a guy for me, you know, also the preseason ACC player of the year. I think that could happen. There's a lot of really good players in ACCs, though, so that's going to be tough for him. And if he does win that award, then that's going to be a really, really good and amazing kind of career that Luke May has had because, you know, he's not the most athletic guy, he's not the fastest guy. But like you said, Brandon, that guy can shoot from all over the floor. I mean, he hit that three last night right before the buzzer went off for halftime. I mean, he looked like a shooting guard out there with how pretty that stroke was. Yeah. So, you know, Luke May is a guy that I really like watching. I think everybody at Carolina loves. I think he'll go down regardless as is, is an all-time Carolina fan favorite. But real quick, I want to focus on Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams before we kind of move on and look at the non-conference schedule a little bit deeper. Cam Johnson, like I said earlier, leading all scores with 18 points, six six 6.7 rebounds, the to 7 rebounds as well. And then you got Kenny Williams, who's been struggling to find a shot, but is Carolina's best defender by far. And once he finds that shot, he's going to look a completely different player because don't, don't get it twisted. Kenny Williams can shoot the ball. He's just been struggling a little bit right now. I thought we saw a little bit better of an outing for him last night, but we haven't really even seen the half of what he can do on the offensive end. I know he lit Stanford up last year for 20 points. I was hoping to do the same thing last night. Can't remember how. I think he ended up with 12 points last night. Still a decent outing for him. But, Brandon, talk to me a little bit about Cam and Kenny. And, and the importance that they have on this team, because not only are they great basketball players, but they're besides Luke, two of Carolina's uh, you know biggest and best leaders uh, for, for this team, and especially with some of the young guys that this team has, they need that.
1: Yeah, and, and I'll start with, with Cam Johnson. I mean, Cam's ability to defend has what has his defensive, para- you know, his defensive effort. Has really elevated his game and, and taken his game to a next level because last year he was injured with that hip mm-hmm. and he couldn't move laterally as well as he wanted to, and, and it affected his defense and, and just it, his um his wherewithal and you know how he was able to I guess get into a a low stance last year and defend guys, but now he's he's defending guys at a very high level. He, he's not Kenny Williams defending, uh, he's not running and chasing Fletcher McGee uh, over pick after pick, you know, like Kenny did against Walford. but Cam's playing some solid defense right now. But, Jake, you, you, if you mentioned it before, he has one of the prettiest strokes. Oh, yeah. And one of the purest strokes in all college basketball
0: in, in, in the nation. Some year. people have compared him to, I used to compare him to Justin Jackson as well, but i go as far as to say that he's got a prettier stroke than Jackson.
1: Yeah, no, well, yeah, I think he does too. I mean, when, the way he's shooting the ball right now, the ball's coming off his hand and it's rotating and and the it's arc and the way it looks in the air, you think it's going in every single time it leaves his hand. Like that's how great he's shooting right now. And, and people forget coming in this year, he was a guy who mainly shot the ball from, from three-point range. He shot 60.2% of his shots. In his total career, last up until last year, sixty percent from outside, and he's only taken just as many shots from outside this year. But he's able to finish at the rim now, and that's what's really made him an offensive threat. And the reason he he's leading his team with eighteen point three points per game, I mean, he's. If he's not getting all the way to the rim and putting the ball on the backboard, he hit a couple of floaters last night that I was sitting there thinking, well, it was almost the, the Dag Dumb, like, yeah. like the, Roy, the Roy, you know, uh-huh. exclamation, I'm like, how can you guard this guy? Like, Dag Dumb, like, like what are we supposed to do? Like, like, you, you you close out on a three, he just blows by you, goes to the rim, and puts the ball on the backboard. And, oh, if you got a guy who steps in front of him and cuts him off, he's just going to find the open man with a with a bounce pass or he's going to float the ball up in the air. Like, his floater's not as pretty as Justin Jackson's. Like Justin Jackson's floater was, like, on a different level. Oh, yeah. But Cam Johnson, you able to add that floater to his game – I'm, I'm guessing he, he, he got some tips from Justin Jackson because I haven't really seen that floater up until now. And, and if he's able to do that, like, look out. Like, He, he might be ACC player of the year. He could That's be. how good he's been playing right now. Like, everyone wants to talk about Zion and RJ Barrett. And, you know, you want to talk about those guys and Duke. And, and look, those guys deserve all the praise they're getting right now. They're playing at an elite level. And Ty's battle from Syracuse is exceptional. Mm-hmm. And DeAndre Hunter is exceptional as well. And there's a couple of other guys like Robinson from, from Virginia Tech who might win ACC Play of the Year. But if I had a vote right now and was looking at just the, the first three games of the season, it, it's either one of those Duke guys or it's Cameron Johnson. That's how, that's how great Cameron Johnson has been. And, and eventually he's going to propel himself into a conversation on the national stage. Like, once we get to the first Duke meeting, and if he's dropping buckets against Barrett and Reddish and Zion, then, then people are going to know about Cam Johnson if they don't already know about him. And, and I think he has a, a great chance to be a really good NBA player with his ability to score the basketball. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, I think all, all three of these guys, maybe Luke, what's so crazy is Luke could
0: statistically be the best player on this team, and he might be the fifth or sixth best NBA prospect I know, it's crazy. on
1: this team. Like, like That's why when people look at look at college basketball on this vacuum and they're like, oh, but how does this guy project to the NBA? It's like, well, no, just enjoy college basketball for what it is and what these guys are doing on this level of college basketball. It's like Tim Tebow at Florida. Like, Enjoy the fact that Tim Tebow is one of the best college players ever and one of the best college football quarterbacks of all time. Just enjoy that for now. People people did the same thing with Tyler Hansbrough. People didn't enjoy the fact that Tyler Hansbrough was was one of the greatest college basketball players until after Tyler Hansbrough left, and everyone's like, "Well, oh my gosh, he he has a UNC scoring record, and look at all the stuff he did." But people were so worried about where he was going to get drafted his senior year. Like it doesn't matter. Like. There's, there's three separate levels of basketball when you're growing up. You're playing in high school, you're playing in college, and you're playing in the pros. And if you can dominate at the college level, you're obviously doing something right. And right now, Cam Johnson and Luke May are dominating at the college level in terms of their ability to score the basketball.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Cam Johnson's a guy that does have a lot of potential to be a good player at the NBA level because of his ability to score the ball and his length. I mean, I saw him at the... I passed him at the Carolina Pittsburgh football game earlier this year, and Brandon, that kid is huge, man. His wingspan and his height. I, I passed him, and I'm 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 a, I'm a short guy, but I mean, I was looking at him, and I was like, how does anybody guard him in the country? Like, well, with,
1: he's six eight, he's six eight, and what his wingspan's probably close to
0: seven Oh Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's a lengthy yeah. guy, and he's also athletic. You know, he's not super athletic like a Nazir or anything, but he's he can with that healthy hip, he can get to the basket. He can make these little touch passes. I remember him doing that a couple of times against Wofford, and he just looks really, really confident this year. And you, I mean, he had a good year last year. He had an okay year last year by all means. I mean, he scored about 12 points a game, I believe, about five rebounds a game, but he wasn't healthy, and you can automatically see it in Spurs this year when he'll just take guys and go to the baseline, which he wouldn't be able to do comfortably last year, so it's really good to see Cam back healthy. And then we can't forget about Kenny. Kenny, a guy that struggled to score the ball by right now, but... I know you'd agree, uh, and uh, Coach Roy Williams said the same thing. He's he's North Carolina's best defender. I know he said in the press conference last night, he was like, I'd love for Kenny Williams to be able to, to shoot the ball. But, guys, he's going he's gonna to play every single minute for me because of his ability to defend. And Carolina's really going to need that when they start playing, you know, teams like Michigan, Michigan State, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Texas. They're going to need guys like that that can defend some of the best players in the country, even Duke as well. So – yeah. Talk to me a little I'm, bit about Kenny Williams, Brandon. Yeah, look,
1: Kenny. People are are going to talk about the fact that he just scored twelve points last night, and he kind of effectively ended this this long stretch of, of not being able to put the ball in the basket. And, and he shot the ball okay last night. It wasn't it wasn't fantastic. It, I don't think it was it was Kenny Williams' level of shooting. I, I'm trying to look at the stats right now. I, he went four of six and two of three from three. So yeah, you know, actually, yeah, it was it was up to what Keeney is capable of. doing. Oh, yeah, scoring twelve points off of off of six shots. I mean, that's what he's going to make shots. He he is one of those D and three guys. He was along with Luke May one of the one of the two guys last year to to average over 40 percent from the three-point line last year he's going to do the same thing this year at some point he's going to knock down shots and average close to 40 percent if not over 40 percent and Cam johnson is as well so you're gonna have three guys you're gonna be able to shoot the ball from three at a, at a high rate a high clip and, and it's gonna space the floor for other guys to attack the basket and kenny can can do a little bit off the dribble as well but his defensive effort and just his ability to defend a lot of different guys is what makes him special. And, and you mentioned that Duke matchup. I, Mitchell asked me, "How is Luke May gonna gonna translate into that Duke matchup this year?" And I, I was like, "Well, I don't even know if he has to guard anybody, but one of the one of the the, the fifth guy on the floor, like a Bolden, because Nazir's probably gonna take Zion, and we'll see if Nazir." can can strap him up like he did in the, the McDonald's All American game for two possessions. Oh, yeah. Like he's he's truly the only guy I've ever seen stop Zion Williamson mm-hmm. for for consecutive possessions. I don't maybe the, the the videotape is out there somewhere of someone stopping Zion Williamson for more than for more than a couple of possessions. But right now, Nazir Little is the only guy who I've ever seen has has done that and has that on on his resume. So he'll probably end up taking Zion, and then, and then what? You put Kenny Williams and RJ or Cam Reddish, and you're like, go ahead and defend them. And, and the same thing throughout other teams in the ACC. Like it's going to be fun to watch Kenny Williams match up with a lot of outstanding scores in this ACC. And if he's able to challenge DeAndre Hunter for ACC Defensive Player of the Year, because Hunter Hunter is an elite level defender, like next level, he'll be one of the best defenders in the NBA at some point when he when he ends up making that jump. Kenny, while he, he might not be as physically gifted as Hunter, can stay in front of his man and, and, and lock down defensively better than anybody else in the country. Like Kenny's ability to defend is, is why, as Roy said, he's going to play him a lot this year. But I don't think people need to worry about Kenny's stroke because I think his freshman year people were, were asking those questions, well, when, when's this, when's this three-point shot gonna fall? When, when is he gonna you know show that he's one of the best shooters in the country and, and we saw it last year we saw him and him able to knock down shots last year and he's gonna do the same thing this year like last night was only the beginning to what Kenny Williams is going to do on the offensive end but what's gonna make him special for this team specifically? Is his defensive effort? I'm I'm, I'm going to take you with a, a throwback mm-hmm. to uh, that uh, one of those teams that Jackie Manuel was on. Oh yeah, you remember when Roy Williams had to had to play Jackie Manuel at, at his uh, his fifth starter mm-hmm. on some of those teams? And oh yeah, he was like, I, I'm throwing him out there as my fifth starter solely for the sole purpose that he can defend. A lot of guys on the court, and he is my best perimeter defender. And and Kenny Williams is going to do the same thing. He's going to be on the court a lot because he's able to defend guys. But one thing that Kenny has that Manuel did not have is an offensive game, and he can shoot the basketball with about anybody else in the country. Like, if I was to take a a, a three-point contest and take three – teammates and, and a trio of teammates and, and put them up against another trio of teammates in the country. I'm taking Carolina's trio of, of teammates with, with Kenny Cam and Luke, and, and I'm going to have them outshoot anybody else in the country.
0: I agree. I completely agree. I think this team, that's why I really like about this team, Brandon is the fact that their are three best scores you would think. And then you're not even talking about Kobe White and his air little, your three best scores on paper should be this season your three seniors. And like I mentioned, not only are they great scorers, great basketball players, they're great guys, they're great leaders for this team. And when you mix that with the young talent and also the four or five role players that this Carolina team has, I think that's why they and we have been talking about how deadly they could potentially be come February, come March. Because, I mean, they're already playing great. You don't want to see a team peak too early. A oh, Roy Williams' team is never really going to peak too early. He's always going to have his guys ready to go in ACC play and when it comes to the postseason. But I think this team right now, we can't get too excited about him, obviously, through three games. But what we've seen from this team so far is a versatile team, a team that can score at almost every position, a team that's athletic, one of the most athletic teams that Carolina's had in a while. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how they do come especially with this non-conference slate coming up which Brandon I want to get into real quick with the non-conference schedule obviously Carolina playing Tennessee Tech at home this Friday 7 p.m and then next Monday they play St. Francis of Pennsylvania at the Smith Center and then Brandon Carolina goes on about a month streak of November 22nd to December 22nd where they play some really really tough games and I think from November to to December we're going to really see how good this Carolina team can be. So they start November 22nd with Texas in Las Vegas. Then November 23rd, the the next day, they're either going to play Michigan State or UCLA, two really solid teams. And then about five days later, they travel to Ann Arbor, ACC Big Ten Challenge, to face Michigan. Michigan, a really solid team as well this year. Then they come back home and play UNCW. UNCW, a team. I know Stanford ended up handling them pretty easily down in Wilmington. Um, CB McGrath will be the former Carolina assistant. It'll be cool to see him back in Chapel Hill. But... They play UNCW, and then they welcome Gonzaga to the Smith Center 10 days later on a Saturday. And then that final game in that tough stretch really coming up against Kentucky in Chicago, neutral site, playing at the at the Bulls Arena on December 22nd. That'll be a prime time matchup between the Tar Heels and Wildcats, Brandon. So what do you think, looking at that month month or so slate of tough games, not only at home but on the road, how are you feeling about this team's chances of coming out. What do you think maybe their record will be through those six games? Do you think they come out maybe 500 through that, or do you think they completely tear it up, maybe lose no games, or maybe just come away with one loss? Because I think one or two losses in that stretch is really good, and coming out undefeated is just simply amazing. If Carolina can come out undefeated really going into that Davidson game on December 29th, this team is going to be talked about a whole lot more than they're even being talked about right now. Yeah,
1: and, and I, I love the fact that they're playing Harvard right
0: before they start. ACC. Oh yeah, Harvard's but a good team. I, I think that that will get them
1: an edge. That will be like, oh, we have to wake up for this Harvard game. We have to be ready for for this Harvard team before we we go to Pittsburgh and, and NC State start ACC play. And, and, and that's that's a nice scheduling move by by Roy to get Harvard on, on the schedule right before a sequel. But if you're talking about that six, those are uh, six games, that six game stretch, uh, look, I think they can go undefeated. Like the way we've seen this team play right now, it, there, there's no doubt in my mind that this team could, could beat everybody in front of them. Now, Texas, we'll see if they're a tournament team. I, I think they are. Um, look, Shaka smart. I, I don't, I don't know what he's really doing down in Texas. He had Mo last year, and Mo was one of the best players in the country. And he was just misusing him. And, and he's kind of misusing players on, on his team again this year. So we'll see what Texas will be able to give them. But I think that could easily be a win for Carolina. And then whoever you get in that next matchup, if it ends up being Michigan State, I, I think that's a good test for them going against Tom Izzo's squad. And look, the only game that really scares me on, on the schedule is obviously the Gonzaga game. And then the Kentucky game in Chicago and at Michigan. Michigan, I, I think the Big Ten's a little bit down this year, but Michigan, it, it should be pretty good this year. And, and we'll we'll see where they are when when it comes to that game. But they gave Carolina a bit of, of competition, I guess, early in that game last year, and mm-hmm. then Carolina
0: kind of blew know, them just, away.
1: Just gave it to them, yeah, yeah. Just blew them away. So I'm I'm expecting them to do the same thing when they go to Michigan. But this is this is going to be a tough stretch of game that prepares this team for ACC play. And look, those back-to-back games with Gonzaga and Kentucky, I, I, I don't know what to make of Kentucky after, after that, that blowout by Duke in the opening game in the Champions Classic. Like, I don't know what to make of Kentucky because I, I think that Travis Reed is exceptional as a graduate transfer and he's going to score the basketball down low. And he's gonna be a handful for Garrison Brooks or Luke May, whoever ends up guarding him, Sterling Manley. But look, Tyler Hero should be able to score. A couple of those other guys should be able to score. Like Kentucky should be better than what they showed in that first game. And I think they will be better when it, when it comes time for them to play. Carolina and Chicago, and then Gonzaga. Gonzaga's in my final four for the preseason. They're a good Gonzaga's team.
0: that good. Oh yeah. Gonzaga is complete. They are missing Killian Tilly for an extended
1: period of time, and I don't think he's really going to be back until about January. So they're going to be missing him, and he's going to be vital for that team to be truly complete. But if I had to put complete teams in terms of newcomers and senior leadership and just an overall look of a team you got Carolina who I think might be the most complete team in the country in terms of their experience and their youth and just the overall look of the team and the way the team fits and then you got Gonzaga like Gonzaga is is really complete so is Nevada and so is so is Virginia like Virginia is one of the most complete teams in oh, the yeah. country so that Gonzaga game is going to be a fun game, and the fact that Gonzaga, who has to schedule tough opponents, that Mark Few said, "I have to schedule tough opponents," and I'm going to schedule Carolina on the road, says something about him and his program. Saying, "Yeah, we want that rematch of that title game. Like we we want to go to your place and see if we can beat you." I, Full respect to them for scheduling that game and for getting that game done because I, I think it's going to make both teams better and it's almost going to be a a benchmark of where both teams are because quite frankly that that could be a final four preview.
0: Yeah, I think That's so how too. Those two teams are, and, I- and yeah, obviously Duke's going to be special
1: this year, but I think that Gonzaga game and, and the Kentucky game prepare you for a team like Duke and Virginia later on in the season, you know, to really test your medal against two of the best teams in the country. And and Jake, when we get to,
0: I guess I'll be on midway through the season before ACC play starts or or right
1: as ACC play starting. Whenever we get to the point where it's the first Duke and Carolina matchup this year, like I've never been more excited for a Duke-Carolina matchup than I am this year. I'm always jacked up for that matchup, don't get me wrong. Like, I always want to beat Duke. And I I have a healthy level of respect for them in terms of what Coach K has been able to do and what those those four freshmen can do and what that program does. But I always want to beat Duke, and it's going to be a fun Carolina-Duke game whenever we get to that. And I think this non-conference schedule prepares them for, for games like that.
0: Yeah, I think this non-conference schedule is is what Carolina needs going into ACC play and um, some people might be a little bit annoyed with Roy or confused as to why he's scheduled such a non-conference slate, but that's what he does. He he doesn't give his team a day off because when he gets to conference play, I mean, you don't really get a night off. You maybe you will a couple of times against some of the bottom dwellers, but still anybody in the ACC can beat you on any given night. So I think that's why Roy has decided to have this non-conference slate this so difficult. This sees Carolina go all around the country, Las Vegas, Uh, Chicago, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I I agree with you, Brent. I think Carolina can come out undefeated. If I had to predict, I'd probably say they're going to maybe... That Michigan game worries me just because it's really Carolina's... It's not their first true road game. It's their first true road game against a really, really talented team like Michigan. I mean, I know they're not great this year, but ACC Big Ten Challenge, 9.30 p.m. tip-off in Ann Arbor on ESPN is going to be tough. So I think that could be a game that maybe they trip up in. And then... Gonzaga, Kentucky, I think as well, it could be a toss-up. Yeah. But I think when I see Gonzaga playing Carolina in Chapel Hill, I'm a little more confident, even though Gonzaga's good, especially one of their best players missing right now. And then I don't really know what to make of Kentucky either, especially with the fact that that game's in a neutral site. If that game was on the road at Kentucky, I'd be a little bit more worried about it. But yeah, I, think, I think Carolina probably comes out of this slate. I think they can come out undefeated. I think that would be amazing. But like I said, if they can come out, with one loss, two at most, that's a really, really good, um, yeah. you know, month slate for North Carolina. And, um,
1: and, and if you can finish the non-conference schedule, I think I said three, four, or five losses, don't be worried. If
0: they get the five losses, I'm going to be kind of mad. I'm, I'm going to be taking oh, off when yeah. they get the five losses. But but three or four, like if they, if they end up getting two or three losses, maybe mm-hmm. four, I'm not going to be that concerned. If Definitely I, not. I just want to see them play well in
1: those games, even if they lose them. Obviously, you want Carolina to win every single time they step on the floor. Definitely. Like that, why else would we, would we be fans if we didn't want that? Mm-hmm. But it, I just want to see this team progress. And, and, you know, games against teams like Harvard and UNCW, like Luke May and, and Garrison Brooks and Sterling Manley, those those three guys down low are going to see what they're made of when they play against a guy like Devontae Kaycock. Mm-hmm. Devontae Kaycock is one of the best low-post players in the entire country playing for UNCW and CB and C. McGrath. And, and it, how are they going to be able to handle him? I would love to see Roy kind of let them play Kaycock one-on-one and just see if they can guard Kaycock. If, mm-hmm. if you can guard him, then let's say in a, in a first-round and second-round matchup at the NCAA tournament, you're able to guard the big man down low one-on-one you're not leaving shooters open. You're not leaving guys open in, in an NCAA tournament matchup. I think that's important. That's an important measuring stick for this team: is, is those guys' ability to defend guys like that. Or right, we'll see where, where Kenny Williams is a defender, or even Cam Johnson when they're put on Kellen Grady at Davidson. You know, Davidson has two point scorers right now, and one of them is the best one of the best scorers in the country, Kellen Grady. Like people are talking about Kevin Grady being like almost like Steph Curry. At. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he's not he's not that great, but but he he's exceptional in terms of ability to shoot the basketball and, and, and put the ball in the basket. And so it's going to be another benchmark for, for guys on this team. And then that, of course Harvard and, and those Ivy leaguers and, and just they play solid basketball all the time. And, and they're, they're going to be one of the class teams in the Ivy League this year. Like the Ivy League. It's probably four or five teams deep. Like I would love to see the Ivy League get three teams in this field. it going to be crazy. This year. Like that's, how, that's how good the Ivy League is this year. And, and Harvard's probably the best team in it. So I can't wait to see them play against some of those teams while also going against the Michigans, the Texas
0: the the Kentuckys, the Gonzagas of the world. Yeah, Brandon, I completely agree. It's going to be – I want to get you on, like you mentioned a couple moments ago, I want to get you on uh, probably – two or three more Carolina basketball podcasts. I haven't even run this by you yet, a little bit, but I want to get you on a a podcast going into ACC play, so really after that six-game stretch, maybe before the Davidson game or or after the Harvard game, right before Carolina goes into ACC. We talk about what we kind of expect going into ACC play. Then I'll get you back on um, maybe right before the ACC tournament. Then maybe I would like to have at least one or two more after that, Hopefully we'll be talking late in March about a Carolina national championship. Definitely oh, one after the right? season, but yeah, exactly. And this is maybe a fantastic team. Yeah, right. this is a really good team, and then maybe having a you No, know, yeah, they've got all the makings to to win a national championship. I completely agree with that, and then maybe getting you on, um, before the ACC tournament as well to kind of talk through some things and what we can expect from this team going into March Madness, because hopefully, like we said, they can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, Brandon. But.
1: And Jake, I was going to get this from a from a fan perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure people people can um, can comment on this as well. But how much stock are we putting into the ACC regular season? Because I know Roy loves to win the ACC regular season, and it almost feels like he could care less about the the ACC tournament. Like, the ACC tournament is really an afterthought for him. Like it's great if they win it, and he loves it if they win it, but it's almost an afterthought for him. He wants he he locks in. The ACC regular season, and he wants ACC regular season titles. So, how important is it for this team, as a fan, for them to win the ACC regular season title against teams like Virginia and Duke, and, and, and you know beat teams like Syracuse when they need to, and even other teams in the conference, just how important is it for them to win the ACC regular season title? Because I put a whole lot of stock into that. I think if they were to go through this gauntlet of the ACC and
0: win the regular season title, that says something about about this team. Yeah, Brandon, I agree. I think I'm kind of like you and kind of like with what Roy always kind of says. I'm more of a guy that I could kind of care less about the ACC tournament. It's cool to win it, but it, it speaks to me more when you can come out of a regular season playing that many games and being the best team through that. I think that speaks more about your team and it's a higher uh, grade or a high, higher way of valuing how good a team is when they can come through ACC play, playing two, three games a week, hard games in the ACC as well. Like I said, you don't really get a lot of letoffs. And if Carolina, you know, coming February and that time of, a time of year, if they're, you know, sitting atop the ACC competing, maybe it's going into the last few games, maybe it's even going into the, the Duke matchup last game of the season, uh, maybe it's them two, whoever wins is ACC um, you know, regular season championship. I'd love to see that as well. I think Carolina is going to find it difficult to win the ACC, but everybody's going to find it difficult. Even the Dukes of the world, the Virginias of the world, Virginia Tech, Clemson—those teams that are Florida State trying to compete to win it—it's not—it's not, it's not going to be easy. But I think Carolina can do it. And regardless of how good I think this team can be, there is no doubt in my mind that this team will finish in the top three of the ACC, and I think they have everything on this roster to win it all as well.
1: Yeah, and, and I, th- I think that's a, that's a pretty good benchmark for this team. If They're able to stay within that top three and, and, and be around that range in the ACC going into the tournament. That's going to be huge for them, but I've also said a, as a kind of a prediction for this season, the ACC is so good that they might get nine, eight, ten teams in, but they're also going to get two one-seeds and a two-seed. That's how good this, this this conference is right now. I think whoever ends up being third out of Duke, Virginia, North Carolina is going to be a, a two-seed. Like, as long as they don't drop games to like Miami or State or Syracuse on the way and it's not a bad ACC regular season record, I think legitimately the top two teams will get a one-seed in the NCAA tournament and the third team will get a two-seed. Definitely, That's how good this conference is. Definitely. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that Carolina is going to be a top 2 seed by the end of by come March in the NCAA tournament. And it's it's all about progressing and peaking at the right time. Like th- this sport is so great for for all the matchups we get during the season, but when it comes down to it, it's a one and done setting a a, a a better one-and-done than, than the system we have now with the freshman legion.
0: And yeah. one
1: game and you're out, and, you know, it, it's fun. Like, the NCAA tournament, March Madness, makes college basketball exponentially fun. Mm-hmm. A, and not always the best team wins, obviously. Like, Virginia dominated the ACC last year and lost to UMBC as a 16th seed. Like, people are going to talk about Tony Bennett being a loser or whatever they want to say. Like, look, it's hard to win a national title. And the fact that Roy's done it so many times at Carolina speaks volumes to what he's been able to do. And, look, for me, especially if you can make a Final Four, like, once you get to the Final Four, all bets are off. Like, Like, anything can happen once you get to a Final Four. If you get to a Final Four... I think, I think you've had a pretty successful season. Like, as long as you don't get blown out in the semifinal game, or you get blown out in a national title game, like, I think you've had a pretty successful season if you get to a Final Four. I think that's why we celebrate Final Fours. Mm-hmm. Like, Final Fours are important. Like, Dean Smith had a ton of Final Fours. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think it was like 18 or 19 Final Fours. Dean Smith has had a, a lot of them. And, and we should celebrate those Final Fours, because those Final Fours matter. In, in a... In a a sport where it's a one-and-done format and you have one slip-up and you're gone, the fact that you're able to win four games and get to a Final Four is impressive in and of itself. Like, you're able to go through some of the best competition in the country and get to a Final Four. That That's truly impressive. And if this Carolina team can get to a Final Four and, and play a team like Gonzaga or a team like Jake, if they play Duke in the Final Four, like,
0: Ooh, that'd be a good I, I, I,
1: I might have a heart attack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be how fun and how how um, just how intense that that matchup is going to be. If if they're able to play one of those teams in the final four, I, it's going to be pretty special this year. If they're just able to make it to a final four, and all bets are off after that. But they have all the makings to actually win a national title. But I think a final four is is truly where fans need to look at for this team and, and their ceiling this year.
0: Yeah, Brandon, I I completely agree. I'm on the same boat as you and. I think we, I think what we've talked about today on this podcast has been really good, and since we got a couple more podcasts coming up here, middle of the season, end of the season, I think we should just wrap it up there, Brandon. I do have one more question for you, um, just before we end it. Come the next podcast, you know, around the Harvard and Davidson game, right between ACC play, um, who do you think will be Carolina's leading scorer and, and the most um, important player on this team? going into ACC play, if you had to predict one right now?
1: Ooh, uh, their leading scorer, if Cam Johnson keeps shooting the way he's shooting right now, he he's going to be their leading scorer. And, and I think Luke May will have a chance to average double by the end of the year, the way he did last year. He's going to be able to grab enough rebounds. He was one of the best rebounders in the country last year. He grabbed more rebounds than, than Marvin Bagley last year. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to be able to do some special things on the, on the glass, and I think that's what makes this team so so great. Is their ability to rebound the ball? We need to talk about that, but but their rebounding ability is really what what makes them so fantastic. And Roy's teams are always going to rebound. Roy, no matter what, wants his teams to give effort and rebound the basketball, and, and they're going to rebound again this year. So Luke May is probably going to be their most important guy in terms of his ability to add flexibility to this team and and just a a lot of different lineups on the court and and where you can place him inside a lineup is going to be important for for Coach Williams. But Cam Johnson will be the leading scorer for this team if he keeps shooting the way he's shooting right now. He's going to light the scoreboard up. And and by the time we get to that podcast, I think Kobe White's going to have drop the 20 point game mm-hmm. and the zero little is going to have to drop the 20 point game by then and in and, and garrison brooks and sterling manning if just keep playing the way you're playing play with that toughness because last year it, they seem kind of soft to me so if they can play with that toughness those guys are going to be great and i know this was a, a long a long-winded answer for for what you were asking but no, that's I guess all those good are my final, those are my final thoughts on, on on this team so far, and yeah, I think Cameron is going to
0: be the leading scorer, and Luke May is going to be the most important guy. Yeah, Brandon, I, I I can't help but agree with you with the way Cam's got, Johnson has shot the ball so far this season. He's kind of my prediction for that, too. I think somebody else that could sneak up. I mean, Luke Mays is not really somebody that's sneaking up, but I think Kobe White as well. Maybe even Nazir Little, like you mentioned, too, could have a chance to be way up there in the scoring, because I think Nazir is only going to improve with the natural oh, yeah. ability yeah that he has Brandon but dude I appreciate you coming on today Brandon it was a great talk we'll be back again I guess in a little over a month after that kind of December 22nd game against Kentucky I say we come back on here and we chop it up a little bit more and um yeah I'll, everybody make sure to, to go check us out on Twitter at Carolina Talk Pod and at Jacob Turner THI I'll tweet Brandon's uh Twitter header on there as well when I up when this podcast gets released so be sure to check that out be sure to go check out bonafide media and some of the awesome stuff that brandon's done with some really good uh sports guys uh, that he has over at bonafide uh greg and mitchell two really good guys and um brandon i appreciate you coming on man it was a fun talking carolina it's been a while since we chopped it up uh, about the about the tar heels and um we'll get this uh back on here soon and I wish I, the football team was doing a little bit better too, so I could have you on here for a football podcast. But with the That's way this season's point. going, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about. But Brandon, um, you know, I, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that you get through all those podcasts. Oh my that god! One man by yourself getting through those podcasts. like it, it's it, tough, it's man. A toy, man. It's and, tough and with you, football you too. You congratulated
1: on that? Hey, if, I, if you ever want me on, of course, basketball talk. But if you ever want me on for anything else, Carolina baseball, lacrosse, mm-hmm. you name it, that the soccer team is playing exceptional right now. Oh, yeah. But the uh-huh. saw the, saw the men's team at the ACC tournament against Louisville. The, I mean, that, those,
0: both of those teams are going to have a chance to win a national title. Oh, yeah, even so, field hockey, too, you know? Yeah, man,
1: yeah. Field
0: hockey. They got a dynasty. Oh, it's Four amazing. Hockey. So, uh, yeah, go
1: Hills, man. And, 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 you know, I love you and, and I love South Carolina
0: we we'll man. Yeah, most definitely, Brandon. Love you too, man. And uh, we'll get you back on here soon, dude. And like I said, guys, be sure to follow Brandon, one of the most knowledgeable sports guys in the industry, in the business that I've known. hes I swear, you're like an encyclopedia of sports, man, spitting all this stuff out today, Brandon. But uh, thanks, man, and uh, we'll see you next time, dude. Yeah, dude. Pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin. I Battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever up. up.
1: What's the ceiling? Monks, let's all bump, Someone's fucking jump, yo, I'll bust them in the eye And then I'll take the punks out, feeling